Our first reading of God's Holy Word is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 28, beginning at verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God." And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading of God's holy word is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of our Lord. And please be seated. As our first reading begins, Jacob is fleeing from the wrath of his brother. Jacob's name means grasper, and while he probably can't be blamed for what he did as an infant while being born, it turned out to be fairly prophetic because his nature was a grasping nature. He had uh, effectively betrayed and stolen from his brother, and his brother would like to kill him, and to make sure that didn't happen, his mother is now sending him out of the country, and Jacob is on the run, and he is spending the night in a place that he doesn't really identify with his tribe at this particular moment. What is happening with his dream? If you are familiar with uh, Negro spirituals, you'll know that there is one that goes, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder, soldier of the cross. It's kind of a moving song, and it comes out of a people in deep despair, but uh, the imagery of the ladder, the staircase that they're using in that song, is of continual struggle. Uh, The ladder starts on earth and it extends up into heaven, and you have to take each step working your way towards freedom, both spiritual freedom and physical freedom. Uh, It's a process of walking step by step of uh, victoriously finally leaving earth and going to heaven, It is in the song a symbol of, uh, without wanting to put too sharp a point on it, it is effectively a symbol of works righteousness in the song. We are climbing the ladder to heaven step by step. We're making progress. Soldier of the Lord. Uh, slaves who are singing to relieve their monotony in the fields can be excused, perhaps. But as I looked at how Jacob's ladder was used during the medieval period, it wasn't that far different. A number of fairly notable Christian theologians took the symbol of Jacob's ladder, a ladder between heaven and earth, and 
effectively did the same thing as the Negro spiritual. Um, Each step we're taking towards heaven, we are growing in righteousness as we take each step. We are ascending up to heaven as we become better people. It's, It's effectively Julian of Norwich's ladder of perfection. And they use the staircase in that way. It is making your way by your effort into heaven. Is that what God is showing Jacob here in this dream? It's clearly a dream, but it's a message from God. Uh, What is God saying here in the original context? Well, going back to Jacob, he is leaving his tribe, and he lives in a world of tribal gods. He lives in a world where each people tend to identify their tribe and their god very locally. Uh, My god of my tribe watches over my tribe where my tribe is, but your god watches over your tribe where you are, and the world is divided into fiefdoms of godlings, and Jacob feels very much alone. He has left his tribe. It would be very natural for him to feel, I've left my god. I have left where God takes notice of my people. I am now not only alone from people, because I don't have my family around me, I am alone from God. I have, I have left the place where God watches over me. But this night, God gives Jacob a dream, and he sees a stairway, a ladder between earth and heaven, in this place where Jacob doesn't think God is. He sees heaven opened in this alien place, this foreign place, and more than that, he sees angels ascending and descending on the the ladder. He is watching servants of God come and go. The book of Hebrews tells us about angels in the last two verses of the first chapter, Uh, this. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? The answer is no one. He's talking about the Christ there. But are not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? An angel is a servant of God, a spiritual being that goes forth and does the Lord's will according to his purpose, uh, Jacob would not expect angels to be in this place. To his mind, he is off the reservation. He is beyond God's kingdom. But God is clearly showing him that's not the case. Here in alien territory, here in foreign territory, angels are coming from heaven, and they're going back up to heaven. God is doing what he wants to do in a place where those of a tribal mind would not expect him to be doing it. Heaven and earth touch. There is a ladder between them in the dream, and that is very significant given that at the beginning of the book of Genesis, uh, man gets banished from the garden where God walks with him in the cool of the day, man is in exile. And there is a a wall between man and God. That is the major crisis that begins the whole Bible. 
But Jacob sees that there is a bridge. There is something between earth and heaven. And this alienation from God that man is suffering is not something that God is suffering. God in this strange place sends his angels to do what he will. God is not separated from man the way man is separated from God. He is doing what he wants, and man has been reduced to, quote, calling upon the name of the Lord by the end of chapter 4. God is not appearing to man, not walking with him in any way, usually, and man is beginning his life of prayer and temples and such, but God is not limited by that. God is at work in this very place. God was here. And for Jacob, that is the major lesson. In verse 16, he declares, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. That seems to be the message. God is with me, even though I didn't realize he was here. God is here. Uh, He's working in this place to do his purposes, to do his will. He's sending his servants. With my waking eyes, I don't see it, but God has communicated to me that it's true. He is here keeping his will and way, even what I think of as an alien territory. Now, he still kind of misses the point. Um, In verse... 17, he says, And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? There is none other, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In his words, you can hear Jacob thinking, This is a particularly spiritual place. This is actually where the gate between heaven and earth is. And he names the place Bethel, which literally means the house of God. He is growing in his understanding of God. He is incorrect, and yet, ironically, he is also correct. Because what God has shown Jacob is he is at work in all the world, in places that you don't think he's at work, he really is. There is no such thing as a particularly secular place. The the latter could be anywhere. But Jacob has... uh, responded to the vision by saying, this is the house of God. And from this point on, uh, that's what the town that grows up there will ultimately be called, Bethel, the house of God. But God is saying to Jacob, I'm everywhere, and I'm at work, and heaven is not separated from earth the way earth is separated from heaven. Uh, It's certainly not a symbol of the covenant of works which is effectively how the Negro spiritual and these medieval theologians use it. The covenant of works is very intuitive and says, I have to climb each step of righteousness to reach heaven. The latter is my growing perfection. That is the exact opposite of what God is actually conveying. What God is actually conveying is that he has graciously provided Uh, communication between earth and heaven, God is graciously ministering on the earth everywhere. He is not a tribal God. He is not limited to a certain place. He is everywhere in the world doing his will, 
uh, and he is doing it graciously. God can send his angels anywhere he wants, and he is, and they are ministering to those who will be receiving salvation. There are a number of contemporary applications for this passage. You would think that after literally thousands of years, uh, the people of God would probably have this fairly basic message down, but you would be incorrect. We oftentimes are just as tribal as the world that Jacob was in and reflected. Now, our way of being tribal is a little different than his way, but it's still just as tribal. Uh, it manifests today in a couple of ways, and these are not necessarily the exhaustive list, but uh, it manifests when somebody thinks of God as the Western God. Uh, Christianity is the Western religion. But the world is divided into spheres, and we have our religion, and China has her religions, and India has her religions, the Middle East has multiple religions, and God is the Western God. He is the God of the white man. He is the God of Europe and North America, but we would never want to culturally impinge upon the rest of the world because this is our religion, but they have their religion. You would not think that the visible Church of Christ would say such things, but again, you would be wrong. There are people who say that all the time, and they say it with a straight face, and then tell you they belong to Christ, which is totally contradicted by the dream that Jacob just had. God is not a tribal God. He is not the God of white men. He is not the God of Europe. Actually, it's an amazing way to think, given that the revelations of God took place in the Middle East, didn't take place in Europe, uh, but that doesn't really matter. God is the God of the earth. There is no part of the world God is not the God of. For the Christian, there is no legitimate other gods. It's not our God and they have their God. We have the God, and any other God is not God. It is a competitor with God. When the Apostle Paul speaks of this in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, he touches on this theme in both chapter 8 and verse 10, and he says this, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. So Paul says, the world may consider that there are many gods, and the way they talk, there are many gods, little g, but the Christian knows there is only one God. The entire world was made by him. Jesus Christ is the Lord of it. The world is his. And then returning to this theme in chapter 10, Paul says this in verse 19 and 21 through 21. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? 
or what is offered to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. I have been thrown off websites for pointing out that the Bible says the gods of men are demons. I have been thrown off Christian websites for quoting Paul, effectively. But it is the ever-present lure of idolatry. Uh, The Puritans said our hearts are one heartbeat from idolatry, and they ain't wrong. While I was in the Reformed Episcopal Church, which is a Orthodox communion, uh, they were having to discipline one of their men who uh, had no problem being both Christian and Buddhist, because he said, I can be both of them, there's no problem, Uh, I'll, I'll seek God and I'll also seek Buddhist nirvana. And they were disciplining him, but that is kind of the spirit of the age. We are either tribal and keeping our God and their God, or we are uh, merging, but both are of a tribal mind. For the Christian, there is only one God, and no other God is legitimate. We are also tribal in the sense that we view a lot of the earth the way Jacob viewed Luz. Jacob settled down to sleep that night thinking, this is not God's territory, this is a secular place. I am laying down to sleep where God cannot be active. Within the Christian church, we talk about the sacred and the secular, and the Bible knows nothing of that. Luz is not a secular place, God is there. Heaven touches earth. Angels are involved in ministry. There is no place where Jacob will go where God is not ministering. In the modern church, in the evangelical church, even in the Reformed church, you have a teaching called radical two-kingdom theology, which says that the world today is divided between God's kingdom and effectively the devil's kingdom, And these are legitimate kingdoms, and that when you are in the sacred, you should act according to God's law and ways, but when you are outside of the sacred kingdom, you have to play the world's game, because that's not God's kingdom, that's the world. And so you go out into the world, and you live one way, but then you come into God's kingdom, which is basically the church, and you live another. The Bible didn't know anything about that. There is no place on earth that doesn't legitimately belong to Christ. The kingdom of God legitimately is all of creation. Now, in 1 John, we are told that some of that kingdom is occupied. When you turn to the last couple verses of 1 John, 1 John says this in chapter 5 and 19, We know that we are of God... And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's certainly true. The devil is always roaring about, seeking whom he can devour. 
He is active in the world, but that does not mean he is the legitimate ruler of it. It doesn't mean that there is any place where God isn't, and he has said, okay, the devil has this. And so we will act according to his way there. Now, most believers would not openly put it that way, but we do do that. We have a sense that here is the kingdom, here we shall live for Christ, here we shall confess his name, here we shall praise him and glorify him, but there are parts of the world where we're not going to do that because it's dangerous, it's laws, it's where God isn't at work. God's angels aren't in the UK boardroom. God's angels aren't in the public school. God's angels aren't in those dark places of the earth where God isn't at work, right? So we'll live differently there because God is a tribal God. He has his kingdom, but there are places where we will not walk as Christians because it's dangerous. Absolutely not. When God appears to Jacob and shows him that heaven and earth touch, he is showing Jacob, I will be with you. That's what Jacob is told. It is not, I will be here in Bethel, which you will name the house of God. It is, I will be with you. I will be with you wherever you go. I will not leave you. I have purposes for you, you and your seed, which is singular, you will note. I have laid hold of you for my eternal purposes, and wherever you go, that really is the house of God. See, Jacob, ironically, what wrong? He named Bethel Bethel, but the truth is, the believer should see the world as Bethel. The world is the house of God. This is where God is Lord. This is where his angels minister to us. This is where we walk before him. No matter where we are, it is Bethel. And it is a glorious place. The Christian sees the glory of God. He dwells here. No matter what the eye of flesh might think. He is the rightful ruler, and the Christian is everywhere in his father's kingdom. Now, what does this have to do with the Gospel of John? That is technically what I'm preaching through. Why am I focusing upon Jacob's ladder? Well, it has to do with the last part of our Gospel reading. There, as he was working with Nathaniel... Uh, he says this. Let's go back and read it one more time. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And the only reason why that could be significant to Nathaniel is because Christ has told him, you're an Israelite without guile. Uh, Nathaniel has basically said, uh, Nazareth can't be a place that good things come out of. So he is knocking Jesus' hometown, but Jesus is actually commending him for not being a fake, not being a flatterer. He says what he thinks, and 
apparently God takes honesty pretty seriously. So when Christ sees Nathanael, he actually says, a true Israelite without guile, which is a little ironic, which we're going to look at in a second. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So what is Jesus saying about himself as this passage comes to a close? He is using language right out of the book of Genesis. Jacob's dream of the ladder was that heaven was open. He saw God at the top of the steps speaking to him. And he saw angels ascending and descending. It is very clear Jesus is saying the dream that Jacob had, that's a dream about me. Well, how is it a dream about him? Well, Jesus identifies himself as the ladder. The angels are ascending and descending between heaven and earth, and the conduit which they're using is the ladder, and that's me. What does that claim indicate? Well, it means that wherever heaven touches earth, Jesus the Christ is that point. Whatever heaven is doing, it is doing specifically through Christ, at Christ, by Christ. It is an amazing claim. Jesus is literally saying, why is heaven having anything to do with earth? Well, it's because of me. I'm the ladder between heaven and earth. Uh, God's activity focuses on me. You may think that religion focuses upon the worshiper, or it focuses upon the community, but not really. The focus of everything that God is doing is me. I'm the ladder. God is sending angels by me. He is receiving angels back by me. The world revolves around me and nobody or anything else. Jesus can get away with saying the world revolves around him. It is not a prideful statement. He is the very focus of what God is doing. And the angels are coming at his bidding. They are returning to heaven at his bidding. They are ministering to the saints at his bidding. He is the conduit to heaven. Would you receive the ministry of God's angels? They minister to all God's elect people. We don't necessarily see them, but they are at work ministering to us. Why do they do it? It's because they come from heaven by way of the Son of Man. They come from heaven by the hand of Jesus Christ. He sends them, he receives them, and it is a sign to Jacob's that God has not left them. Jacob will be renamed Israel. And we will own his name. Israel is one of the names of the chosen people of God. And the name Israel is unique. 
it can be translated the people that God contends with, and it can just as easily be translated the people that God contends for. And it's a perfect name because that's actually who we are. God protects us and shepherds us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need your tender care. God contends for us with his staff, fighting away the wolves, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He also contends with us. And that ties into Jacob's original name, which means grasper, which means someone with deceit. There does seem to be a... uh, An indication, though, that when Jacob's name is changed to Israel, that one of the things that is being rebuked is his deceitfulness. Jacob lived by deceit. He won't give that up at this point. In fact, as we go on in the narrative, Jacob will be deceitful to Laban. Um, Laban will be deceitful to him. But Jacob will live by his deceit until really uh, God breaks his, his... hip, and even then Jacob will have problems with deceit, he is a very deceitful person. But the sanctification of God is pulling him away from deceit, and when God says to Nathaniel, you're a true Israelite, and uses Jacob's new name, he seems to be pointing to the fact that God's people will be sanctified away from deceitfulness. The, the language of hell, the language of the devil, is deceit. When Jacob's get turned into Israel, deceit begins to be rebuked. Deceit begins to be sanctified. But all of that happens, and more, every ministry of God's grace happens, because Jesus the Christ is Jacob's ladder. Everything that God is doing, he is doing through Jesus. And Jesus is saying this. The center point of all of God's covenant work, both in ancient times, when Jacob had his dream, in the time of Christ, when he walked among us, this very moment, all of it centers on the Lord Christ. God the Father does not really do anything on earth but what it is through Christ. The entire focus of everything God does is through Jesus. And that, again, rebukes any sort of tribal notion of God. It is not that we Christians have an avenue to God and other people have other avenues to God. Uh, God works in many different ways, yada, yada, yada. That is not the case at all. God only works his grace on earth in Jesus Christ. He is the ladder. He is the opening. When the Father says, you have to leave paradise and I'm not going to walk with you, when the Father says, I will not appear to you anymore and you will have to build temples and pray, what will break that down is only Jesus of Nazareth, only, only, only. He is the only ladder, but that ladder extends to any place. Jesus has made, for those who have faith in him, the entire world Bethel, the house of God. Thanks.
be to God.